if you were chosen today as the Democratic candidate for 2008, who would be your vice presidential running mate and why? I would probably want Senator McCain to be my vice president. Senator McCain, first of all, you said didn't respond to your emails. Yep. Um, and he's a Republican. And if you're going to get the Democratic Party behind you, they're going to want one of their guys. Welcome to You Are the Guest, a weekly show where you can be the guest and tell people what you and your friends and neighbors think about news events and issues of the day. It's part talk show, part opinion poll, part reality show, and a whole lot of fun. And it's completely dependent upon your participation as a guest. To be considered as a guest for a future show, check out the website at www.youaretheguest.com for details. Now here is your program host, Bill Grady. Greetings from the great city of Fort Dodge, Iowa, and welcome to show number 56 of You Are the Guest, the show where we talk to everyday people just like you and me about their lives and about the issues of the day. Our guest today comes from Gilbert, Arizona. Patrick, welcome to You Are the Guest. Hi, thanks, Bill. I'm glad to be here. Patrick, you wrote into the show and talked about being the armchair president, so tell our listeners about your bid for the presidency of the United States. Okay. Um, I started doing a podcast and running a website to launch my candidacy as a 2008 Democratic candidate. And it sounds pretty far-fetched to have somebody, just, or that they're a lunatic, to have somebody want to be the president. But it's like, I don't think that that's really unique and that's really not what our founding fathers really wanted. They recognize that it should be inexperienced politicians running our country and that's really the way they designed a lot of the checks and balances. And that's why they established that any American-born citizen really over the age of 35 should and could be president. And there's a lot of people in this country that I think actually should and could be president, especially when you consider the choices that both the major political parties have been putting forth. But the only difference that that I really have to offer right now by undertaking this is that I have time because it's an incredible time commitment to go through this process. And I'm not, uh, much to the, the goal of that sounds, a lunatic because it's like I don't do things half-heartedly and I don't do things that I that are potentially impossible and that's why I'm just launching this campaign using this virtual network and I'm looking to get responses and people to come to the armchairpresident.com website to sign up to support the platforms that I've put forth that I think are really more or less common sense solutions to America's most vital problems. And with like 100,000 plus registered supporters at that site, that gives the credibility then to expand this campaign beyond the virtual realm with a lot of credibility of success into the more brick and mortar normal campaign routes. I'm always fascinated when I talk with somebody that comes from a common background that wants to run for president of the United States. And first of all, I think when, when people look at your website and they hear the podcast, one of the first questions that they may ask themselves is, 
are you serious about becoming the next president of the United States or is this an act? Yeah, that is, that is, a, that is a good question. And I really am serious. Um, I'm putting pretty much 40 hours plus a week right now into just this virtual campaign and getting all the components together to try to get the message out. So what are you doing on a daily basis that, that takes up that much time to get yourself on the ballot? Well, it's really trying to think of marketing because the only way that I'm going to get on the ballot is if I'm a recognized candidate. And that's really where that, that 100,000 number comes from. And that's really Americans getting behind me to give me the credibility to get on the Democratic primary ballot. And it's really trying to just get the message out of there. And so that's doing from everything, from little mechanical things, from like optimizing web pages so that they get better placement on search engines so that people can find the site and find the message to really putting together a solid platform and candidate issues with as specific information as I can to convey what I think is important and what I would do to address these issues to people to really get them to support me. So do you do your own website? Are you the webmaster for that? Yes, I am. Okay, okay. What what political experience do you have? Um, absolutely none. And has I, there been a president that was not an elected politician before becoming president? Well, by definition, George Washington was not a political candidate before becoming president. Um, and there are, and, there and are other... You, and why do you say that? Well, mainly he could because he was a military commander and in the armed forces previously. And but, but he was also elected to the House of Burgesses. Yeah, that's true. And served there for 15 years. Yeah, that's true. So he did have 15 years of political experience. I guess that I'm looking at it more or less in the context of our our political system or our government, I guess. Yeah, but that that was pretty close. I mean, if he's he was elected by his peers and he served in the what would be known as the lower house of the Virginia government, and it's mm -hmm. by the way that's that's still in effect today. It's it's still around today. 15 years of political experience is, is still good. So a, have you ever thought about becoming maybe like the armchair state representative or something like that? Why, why the highest seat in the land for your very first political office? Yeah, no, that's, that's a very good question, and I, I get that a lot from people. And it really goes back to why I'm offering to run and what the goals of that really are. And it's really not to gain political experience, and it's really not to become sort of more of an established politician. It's really to go in and fix what's wrong. And the only possible position that has the authority and leadership and capabilities to do that with our country is from the top down, and that means as the President of the United States. And the only way that you can go in and, and fix what's wrong is if you win. You have to That's have a, a successful campaign. So 
Do you think that voters assess a candidate by the way that they run their campaign? Um, that's that's a good question. I I would have to say that the, it seems just from being on the voter side and looking at what's happened in elections, the main thing that seems to be an outcome, especially in recent time, is who has the most money and the least amount of ethics to say whatever derogatory aspects about the other candidate. But but do you think that they assess the candidate by the way that they run the campaign? Um, based on success or failure, I don't think so. No, you, you don't think that the people analyze and say, that was a really good campaign, so that must be a good candidate, or that is a really bad campaign, so that must be a bad candidate. You just don't think that is a factor at all. Well, I didn't say a factor at all. I would say that it's that there's not as many people analyzing things at that level that really influence the outcome of most elections. So who have you recruited to help you with your campaign? Well, right now, um, that's sort of the, the, the main thrust of the effort and I'm really trying to campaign I'm really trying to recruit for my campaign is the average person and but have you recruited like a campaign manager or somebody that can volunteer their time to help out with your cause no I haven't even done that yet because it's, I don't really consider this a viable candidacy until we really have the support of, of sort of a critical mass of people saying, yeah, that's something that I think could work. But if you don't see it as viable now, then why would you expect somebody to put confidence in you today? Um, that's, that's the, I mean, that's a good question. And that's a, a question that applies to many different facets of whether it's starting a company or running a company or making uh, getting funding for a company and a lot of different um, because you see you you said you were serious about running for the presidency but but now you're kind of backtracking and saying well I'm not sure if it's viable well no that's that's true it's not viable but you're serious it, about it, running for president of the United States yes okay see the nuance the nuance here that that is being glossed over is the fact that it's only going to be a viable candidacy if it's what people want. But you also, as a candidate, need to run a very successful campaign. Yes. So you're trying to do this on your own, and you're just kind of trying to do it from a grassroots perspective, correct? Yeah, that's that's mostly correct. The The real, and this is what I would say is, not even a campaign at this point and because it's like I'm not running because most campaigns are asking you for a lot of different things they want your vote they want your money they want all these things from you so and so so are you running for president or aren't you because if you I, are then you you must be having a campaign if if you're not then the people's support all their efforts are kind of going to waste aren't they so that's the thing. Right now, I am not running for president. As I said earlier, I am offering 
to run for president. Oh, okay. And that's really offering to the American people, and that's where I'm looking to get a response from. So it's and, so it's really not a campaign. You're you're just kind of saying, hey, if if nobody else likes anything else, hey, I I'm offering to take the job. No, it's not because I, I, you're confusing me. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry, Bill. So what I am offering to do is only is is only one thing. I'm not looking to be the president of the United States per se. I'm looking to put solutions that will help America in place, and that can only be done as the president. And okay, wait, I'm wait, putting back 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 up. You, you're, yes. You're you're not looking to be the president, but that's what your website says. Yes, because that's the only way that the solutions can be implemented. Is well, from well the only position. way the the solutions can be implemented is if you win, right? Yep. I mean, yeah, you know, right. You know, I always used to tell advertisers that I couldn't go to work for them until the ads actually run on the radio station. And in the political arena, you really can't go to work for your supporters unless you win the ballot or win the Democratic nod or win the election. Yes, and there's and then there's there's no supporters to go to work for if you don't have supporters. Right, but they also want the confidence that you're committed to this, and I, I think they want your commitment first before they give their support. But you're kind of doing it the other way. You're trying to say, well, you know, I'm not going to commit until I get the support. You, yeah, and that's and that's the aspect that it's not really a traditional campaign because a traditional campaign would go out to their special interest groups and they would get hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars as an as a an early stage investment in order to go and promote yourself to get those people to come in whereas what I'm doing is looking for people to say yeah, you know those solutions, either I agree with or I don't agree with, but it's like that's much better than anything else out there, and I'd like this, and I, I would support that. So how are you going to get your message across? So that's the, the, the first aspect is really, as, as you've heard, is through podcasts and through this website and really getting people to come and see that message and, and how are from, you going to be able to compete with campaigns that have lots of money to spend on mainstream media well that's so if we if we if we assume that this is going to be accepted by people and people are going to want this to go the next level then that's where it can really become powerful because it's but don't all you, in but the, don't you need to be the first one to be committed to the process yeah and i'm so i want to back up and say it's like i am committed to this so now you are committed to this and now you are running for president of the united states no 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 see that's where you're you're combining two two thoughts right there okay so, so, I'm so, committed so tell to me this. so tell me the logic where one separates from the other yeah, so I am committed to this, but I am not formally running for the president of the United States because I don't have the support to do so yet. Right, right. And but but what you're trying to do is you're trying to get on the ballot 
Yeah, so my commitment is to get my message out to people so that people can come together to say, yes, we want this on the ballot. And that's really the, the first phase of a tiered kind of milestone approach to success for this candidacy. So if you got enough supporters, then you would run? Absolutely. Okay. So let's, let's assume today you have that support. You have 100,000. You're on the ballot. You're, you're ready to rock and roll and uh, go forth for the Democratic nomination. How are you going to be able to compete then with the other Democratic candidates who have lots of money to spend? That's, I mean, that's a great question. And the real crux of it is going back to what the message is and what people want. Now, whether it's a, the Democratic or the Republican aspect, the parties and the leadership really promote sound bites and they really promote mission statements as to what they stand for without any real substance behind those. Everybody's for energy independence, for example, but there's really not any kind of plan or solution or specific objectives to get to that grand place. Now, what I'm doing is actually giving people, look, this is what we are going to do, and this is how we're going to get there, and that's what people are going to be supporting. So it's really not a kind of what I would call a soundbite approach to getting people interested in this campaign. It's really backing up, look, this is what we're going to do, and that's where we're going to go, and I want you to be involved in that. And if you want us to get there, then that's what will get us there. But isn't that the way that the game is played? I mean, the, the way the game is played is that you, you have people who give you money so you can go out and you can buy advertising, you can get out in front of the media, and those are kind of the rules of the game. But, but don't you see that, that maybe your ground roots has a flaw in it if you're not going to be going down that path? Yeah, that's the thing, is that... I don't believe that America should be a game. I don't believe that our national security, I don't believe our energy security, I don't believe the way that our taxes are spent, I don't believe the way Social Security is managed, I don't believe in the way that natural disasters and the bird flu and global warming are managed should be a game. And I think that our well, and, government... And, and I don't think that that is the game, but, but the, the game that I'm referring to is that you have to win the election to, to be able to go to work. And so, for example, when you were a kid, did you ever play baseball or football with other kids in the neighborhood? Oh, yeah. Okay. So let's say that you're playing with a bunch of friends. We're playing baseball, for example. You and your friends have played baseball and you played by all the baseball rules that everybody plays for, and then all of a sudden the new kid on the block comes over and he says, when I'm pitching, uh, you only get one strike. And when I'm batting, I get four strikes instead of three. And you'd say, why is this guy rewriting the rules of the game? Do you see that being a problem? No, because I think that that's the point that is needing to be changed, but is you're, that it's but you're, not a 
But you're going to reinvent the wheel, aren't you, when it comes to the campaign? And isn't that a, a hard mountain to climb? Well, before, I think it was. Um, I think that right now, with support and getting interaction between people using the Internet and actually having a message to stand upon is taking what has been a game and what people have been fed up with for years and years and years about politicians and making it not a game. It's As you were saying, it's taking the analogy of going out and playing baseball versus going out and actually doing your job. And I think that campaigning and the way politicians run the country has been too much like playing baseball. And what we need to do is we need to make it more like a job and actually having objectives and goals and getting them done. So how is it like playing baseball? You lost me there. Well, it's all, it's, it's all about a game. It's all about winning and losing instead of a real goal for the whole organization. But if you don't win the campaign, you can't go to work for your supporters, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. And so, what I'm banking, and my campaign is banking on the fact that people don't want game playing. They want an actual person to lead this country. And but, not, but don't they need somebody that can win an election first? Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like, that comes down to what the American people want. That's what comes down to whether somebody wins or loses a campaign. And I want to get that back as a priority instead of who can spend the most money on national ad campaigns. Because now you should be able to communicate what your ideas are clearly and concisely as to what you're going to do to the people out there and let them vote on what they want done as a country and what they want a leader to actually accomplish. Are you meeting with people face to face? Um, I'm, I've met with uh, reporters face to face at this moment, but, but that's all. But the general public, you've not gone out and what you would say, uh, do the old uh, sandwich circuit or the meet and greet, shake hands no, and I kiss babies and stuff like that. I haven't done that in any organized fashion yet, no. Okay. Do you plan on doing that soon? I plan on actually going out and doing something related to that very soon. Okay. How are women voters responding to your message or your campaign? I haven't broken down demographics very much as to how different age groups and different um, sex groups are or religious groups or other other types of metrics are responding if i could i'd like to play a, a clip from your latest podcast which is on august 28th and i've got a couple of follow-up questions and i want to get your reaction to that mm -hmm. so unless you pass this message on to your friends family acquaintances and colleagues and suggest that they register their support and that they too pass it on. You all will be stuck with politics as usual and special interest groups will continue to run our country and you can do nothing more than throw your vote away on a traditional politician. My wife actually said to me, so what? Why is there an urgency? 
It's not like anything is going to happen if you don't get elected in 2008. Just keep growing this and shoot for 2012 if it doesn't work in 2008. I was really stunned. I guess I hadn't impressed upon her the urgency. And so I did that. And since I didn't do it to her, I must not have done it to you. So I'm going to pass on some of the base reasons why it is so urgent that it's sooner rather than later. And 2008 is the soonest. The soonest that's feasible. Okay, a couple quick questions there. Um, first of all, do you feel you're getting the support from your wife on your campaign? And also, uh, could you see your comment as being condescending toward your wife, especially by the women voters that are out there listening to that comment? So the question of my wife supporting effort is kind of iffy. Um, she supports what I do because sort of as a couple, she wants to make sure that I'm happy and fulfilled and doing what I would like to do. But in terms of actually succeeding and seeing herself in the public light and going around and being such a public spectacle and losing her own private life, uh, she's she's not too thrilled with that. Was I think with most people, don't want to give up their private life. Yeah, it's it, it's a commitment by both people, and that is the the reason for my question: is are both of you committed toward this effort? Yeah, we've had a lot of conversations about that aspect, and we are committed because, and even she's committed because she really does believe that the ends justifies the means and she thinks that this would benefit our country a lot more than what's been going on however she's not necessarily as i would as i said earlier thrilled about the process of going from here to there and i guess as far as women voters go i don't see how that would really play as a negative mainly because it's my fault that I was not clear on communicating all of the different aspects. Of but, but when you say, I didn't impress upon her, that doesn't sound like you guys are working together. Yeah, that's. I can see how you'd interpret that. I guess taking it as a, the most simple, straightforward aspect, to me it sounds like, well... It was intuitively obvious to me why it's it was urgent and important, but I just never conveyed that aspect of the message. Is there maybe a way you could have sent it better or differently? Um, Perhaps. There's all yeah. There's always ways in which you can do things better. Uh, I mean. That's 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 unfortunately either 2020 hindsight life um, as we know it. Nobody's perfect, and I'm definitely not perfect. Um, I think by definition only God is perfect. So I will make I will make mistakes just like everyone. So let's expound on on another question that was raised by your this comment 
uh, about talking to your wife about the campaign. Why the urgency now? And why not just something simple like the armchair city councilman? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a, that's a good question. Um, and it's, it, it really does go back to a lot of earlier aspects as to why starting this whole mission in the first place. And it really kind of comes down to the fact that there's nobody really addressing problems at the national, well, at any level, but at the national level especially. And the national level has the most problems that affect most Americans. But, and, yeah, and, and I understand that. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that come to my mind mm-hmm. is that a lot of these national politicians who are running for president of the United States are within an environment where they're around politics and international affairs and campaigning. In many cases, they've been in that environment for years and years. But you're not yet meeting people and you're kind of doing this as a grassroots. So I'm I'm asking the question that I think our listeners are asking, which is, why do you think you're prepared enough for this position? Well, that's that's a good question. I mean, it depends on what a listener or a specific individual thinks qualifies an individual to be a president and a leader. And I think that there are, there are two aspects that do it. I mean, the first the first thing that I'd like to say is simply, yeah, there are experienced politicians. They have, as you were saying, they have a lot of ability to sort of swim in the circles of politicians, and they have a lot of the connections, and they have a lot of the money in terms of being able to fundraise and launch a traditional campaign and win. But I would go back to saying, and that's the reason I'm doing this, is look where that's got this country. And that's sort of where it's coming from. It's like, do you like where these experienced politicians have got this country? And it's not because they aren't savvy. It's because we don't, at least from my perspective, want a savvy, fundraising, well-connected person as a leader of the country. But, that but, obviously doesn't work. But the country kind of went through that back in 1976 because Jimmy Carter had political experience because he was the governor of Georgia, but mm-hmm. he was seen as a Washington outsider, and that administration was a disaster. So you're coming in not only as a Washington outsider, but you're coming in with no political experience. So how are you going to be that much better? So if let me redirect that question to make it a little more tangible. And if that's not okay, then let me know. So how would I accomplish the objectives that I've laid out in the face of Congress? and being an outsider. Yeah, because I I see that the accomplishments by 
a presidency is a team effort. And I think that that's true to a degree because that's how politicians have made it. And but that's how the game is played. Those are the rules of the game. And, and Patrick, you can't go into Washington saying, hey, when I'm pitching, you only get one strike. And when I'm batting, I get four strikes. That, that won't work with the rest of the team. Well, see, that's, it, that's who you – so let me back up. So I would say that depends on who you're calling the team, and I'm calling America the team, and but you have to not work, you have Washington, D.C. But you have to work with them. It, it's, you cannot get anything done if you're going to fight Congress because they're answering to people as well. Yeah, exactly. But, and that's the, that's the real crux of the issue right there. Because the only way that I would get in is if people want these solutions put into place. And so that's what people would want. And if Congress was not working with getting those into place, they're not working with people. And that's where the power comes from, is I would be working with Congress because I would be working with the people. And if Congress was not wanting to work with me, then I would go to their constituents and I would remind them of that. And I would remind them that they should go and tell this person that they should work on this. But that's, and, been, but that's been tried before. I mean, Reagan used to do that as well. When he wasn't getting what he needed from Congress, he would you know, say, call your, your congressman, call your representative. So have you done that when you've been disappointed with, with the way that your Arizona congressmen have voted? Have you written them? Or have you given them a call and say, here's how I feel? Oh, Yes. Um, and it's like, and that, that goes in the trash. Um, you're basically not even almost tabulated with that type of, um, with that type of interaction for the most part. So what, 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 what are, the, what, which are, which are the representatives in your state that you've contacted that are giving you that type of runaround? Because I think that they should be exposed. Oh, well, I mean, every representative, I think, should be exposed. Okay, so, no, but, but which ones have you contacted that, that you're convinced that your comment just goes right into file 13? Let's name some names. You know, what, what representatives and what senators have you contacted that people should know about that treat their constituents that way? Well, that's John Kyle and John McCain. Okay. But then I want to go back first, because it's like, yeah, what Reagan did was a good idea. And other presidents have kind of done that same thing. Clinton did that as well. But really, it needs to be done if you, if you really want to get what you want accomplished. It's not just talking to people through the media or through the TV or doing a, a once a month or even once a week fireside chat kind of thing. It's really going through and if it's an important issue and it's a foundation of which you were given the responsibility to become president then that's really what you need to accomplish and if as the president you need to go into each individual town of 20 different legislators to talk to those people and tell them look this is going on and you and point at that individual 
you need to call this guy. You need to write to this guy. Have you and, ever have you ever gone to a presidential visit? No. Do you know how incredibly big that is? Yes. Do you know that usually people are there for 48 hours ahead of time and you know they just lodge traffic and everything but you're you're saying that you want to go out and do that as president to all these towns if that's necessary that's one wow oh in the arsenal that a president wow. needs to take advantage of they you know i how do you see that as being possible well, that's the thing. It's like it depends on what a president is committed to. If a president is committed to making America better, but the president but what, has to get involved they, with America. Wouldn't they disrupt people's lives on a daily and regular basis? And, and, well, this isn't and, something and what that else, happen. When, and what else would you be doing other than just kind of traveling and meeting with people? Wouldn't there be other business, especially with uh, foreign affairs in that, that you, you would be neglecting if you were out on the road 24 well, this is well this is not something that would be happening very often this is like key legislation points so this would be happening at most once twice a year at the very at the very and that's only if i was saying earlier if congress was not willing to work with you to get these things passed the other things though that there are a lot of there's a lot of power that the president has that because these are experienced politicians in this classic game or good old boy network or whatever you want to call it that a president doesn't really exercise his authority on America's behalf. Explain that. Well, in real simple terms, I mean, the president has, as part of his office, he is in charge of the federal government. Now, he doesn't control the purse strings the the Congress signs for that. However, he controls the federal government. And as such, if he wants and is high priority has to have a balanced budget, he can make appropriate actions within the federal government to make that happen. He can use executive order to either reduce people's salaries or to cut different branches of the government if that's what it takes. But that means that the president has to make these things a priority. But wouldn't, you, really wouldn't you as president delegate that to somebody else to then report back to you? Because you, as president, you've got a lot of duties. And to go line by line as president of the United States down the budget, that to me kind of seems rather time-consuming, doesn't it to you? Oh, it seems extremely tedious and extremely time-consuming. Right. So, but, so you but would it's need the same reason that I'm running, that I'm, considering to run right now it's like who else is going to put out platforms that will answer these these issues and actually address these important issues in America today so, nobody so you, really is but you so would want like, to, but you would want to delegate that to somebody i would i would definitely delegate it if if um, <laughs> to basically anybody that could do it Right. So, like so somebody, you so you have to be somebody that answers directly to the president, though that goes through and does that. Right. So I you mean, would, and that's what's not being done. You would need to get delegate that to somebody to really demonstrate how you would delegate as president. You also need to demonstrate delegating during the campaign. Mm -hmm. Who are you bringing in to to delegate stuff to? Well, that still is, is yet to be decided until this really starts to get traction. 
but you won't get there. You won't get that traction unless you've got a campaign, in my opinion. That's that's possible. What is the biggest problem we face as a country, and how would you address the problem if you were president? Well, there's a lot of very large problems. I mean, one of the biggest problems that I think that because there's so many th- so many facets that fit into it is the eroding of our constitution by the government. And that's it's it's more than just this this whole issue of Americans being held without being charged and illegal wiretapping and things like that. It's really going back to the fundamental compact that why Americans banded together, gave up part of our individual rights to form the United States of America, and which is delegated by and outlined in the Constitution. And just going back to like the preamble itself, there's so many things in there from promoting the general welfare to providing a common defense. Those types of things encompass so much that is not being done or is being done poorly that is really undermining that compact. And it's really the federal government that's not living up to its bargain that going through and trying to fix those is really going to fix almost all of the problems facing this country. Can I give you some help? Sure. You've got Constitution on your website spelled wrong? Hmm. It Constitution is capitalized. So I, w- I would start fixing that first, maybe. Here, here's my final question. If you were chosen today as the Democratic candidate for 2008, who would be your vice presidential running mate and why? That's a really good question. And what I would like to do is really most likely I would like to get somebody who represents sort of a balance of values. And who would that be? Who would that be today? If I said who I was thinking about, I would probably insult somebody and I, I don't really want to do that, but I'll, I'll point to the... the we, we need a president that will stand on the issue. So who would you choose as your Democratic candidate if you were the Democratic pick today? If I could choose anybody, given carte blanche, I would probably want Senator McCain to be my vice president. Okay, now, now back off, back up here. Senator McCain, first of all, you said didn't respond to your emails. Yep. Um, And he's a Republican. Yes. So you pick somebody that is a possibility. Well, you said anybody. And so that's and that would be, I think, the best checks and balances. And he and he says no. Because he he, he would say no, because you're a Democrat and he's a Republican. And if you're going to get the Democratic Party behind you, they're going to want one of their guys. So if you're chosen as the Democratic candidate for 2008, who is going to be your running mate 
and why would you pick them? Oh, first of all, you made the you made the rules that it would be anybody, and so that's what I I said in an in an anybody rule, that's what I would do. Yeah, but I now, thought you'd you'd see it as kind of realistic as you know, it was anybody from the Democratic Party. So so you're right. I did leave it out there, but you're go- saying, hey, support me. I need a hundred thousand votes. My running mate when I pick him is going to be John McCain. They're going to say what? Mm-hmm. So. So give the give the people that you're, you're going to be asking for their support a person that you would pick as a vice presidential candidate that is of the real world that you could actually have as their running mate. Who would that be? Well, I guess the 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 best person that I would want as a, a vice president is somebody that would be. Well polished in, and who would that person be? Who would be able to go and really smooth around foreign affairs issues? And there are several people that 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 come to mind, and they would be popular with the American people, but not necessarily popular with the Democratic Party. And, and we're waiting for your answer. Who would that person be? Just a name, please. I mean, one of the other people that comes to my mind, actually, is Colin Powell. He's a Republican. Yep, he is. Okay, is there anybody from the Democratic side that would realistically be able to be your running mate if you were chosen as the Democratic candidate? I would have to actually look into that a lot more because it's like I'm not sure who from the Democratic Party. I mean, there's a couple of of lesser name people that from what I have read of that I think that they could potentially provide a good person in terms of character but i can't say that with any confidence at this point so because so you really don't have anybody right now no okay let's go ahead and play ask bill three this is where i get to turn the microphone over to you and you get to ask me three questions about anything so patrick fire away okay so let's first go back and trying not to to I know it's harder as things get go go by in time. It's harder to weight them in the same eye with more recent events. But in terms of the podcast that you have done throughout your now 56 episodes, which one was your personal favorite, and which do you think actually was your audience's favorite? Well, I know which one was the the most popular from downloads, and that was number 42. I think the, the one that I'm most proud of would be number 47, which is the one that I did on R.C. Gorman with Vern Beachy about uh, the FBI confidential files. Okay. Okay. And then I guess the next question is, well, do you believe that there was a 9-11 conspiracy? No, no, no. I'm just kidding. But I wanted to actually keep it... <laughs> I'm sorry. I, 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 
that episode do, was do you that's a maybe a better question you know i think there's so much evidence that this administration does not plan anything let alone having the competence to orchestrate something of that caliber and and keeping it essentially totally quiet that it would be inconceivable amen amen it's like i just can't i can't yeah i can't believe that anyway but i wanted to, to to continue with kind of in that in that vein but with something a little more realistic so what do you think about the quote war on terror oh i think the war on terror is obviously real but as you work with movements you find out that they're not wearing uniforms you can't just go after that army and you have to really weed them out but the war on terror really takes a world effort and it takes a lot of cooperation uh, from the countries that obviously that are housing these and the neighborhoods that they're hanging out in too so you know we've got to win a, a lot of people over to help us on the war on terror did that answer your question? Yeah, mostly. What mostly. did I? Where did I miss? Um, I guess the 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 summation of that is, well, do you think it is winnable? Do you think it's really a war that can be won? Yes, but I don't think it's an easy one, and I don't think it can be done very quickly. And we need a lot of cooperation from countries around the world, and we we have had that to some degree and you could always point fingers and say they could do better or there are a lot especially in europe there are a lot of european countries that just have have not helped out in in that area yet they want terrorism stopped just as much as anybody else so it's a very complicated and complex issue and that's Mm -hmm. an understatement would you agree um i would agree i don't I, I mean, except to the point where I don't think that it's something that can ever be won. Um, I think that, by definition, almost it's like one individual can be a terrorist, and when it gets down to that level, that I don't think that you can actually eradicate it, which is what I would call winning. I think you can keep it at least somewhat balanced and contained and controlled, but I, I would say that that's the the best you could do having it contained and controlled in my mind would be winning okay that that, that's the only difference that we have is just the definition then of winning okay what's question number three so this is going a little bit back more to your show because i'm i'm really interested in what you think about your show is where do you see it being realistically and then where would you like to see your show being in the next like one, three, five year time horizon. What type of benchmarks are you looking for? Are you looking for audience or or recognition or or what type of benchmarks are you asking me for? Um, basically, whatever you view is important. Well, I think that the downloads and how many people are listening really is a benchmark you can look at to seeing whether it's successful. Obviously, I like the downloads to continue to climb. I'd like to see the recognition for the show continue to go up. And more importantly, I want to feel good about the show, and I want to feel good about doing that. And when 
those factors start to wane, then I guess it's time to, to rethink it. But as long as those three factors are in place, then then I'm happy doing the show. Let me throw the question back over to you and say that uh, come March 2007, uh, that you're not on the ballot. What will you do as far as a podcast or as a blog? Well, that, that really goes back to um, how much support there really is. Um, if we get there and we have the same number of supporters that we have today, which is in the, the, the hundreds, um, I would say that it has to then shut down. There's not enough of a nucleus to really keep putting a lot of the time and effort into this to try to grow it because if everything really worked and people really wanted this, it could have spread and can still spread really rapidly. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I was really interested in doing your show because I can see from a lot of the st statistics that I get from my website and podcast that there really are a thousand plus who are interested in this every day. And so if we can, if, if I can convert those people from just kind of sitting on the sidelines to actually supporters of this, it's like there's easily a hundred thousand people um, within a month. So I wanted to start to, to, and that's really where I want to go with my podcast next is making it more interactive with people and getting their input and their questions and their comments. Um, and I've been open to that all along, but it's really getting that involvement that's important. Patrick, I want you to know that you really have won my respect by answering all these tough questions because I've asked you a lot of tough questions because I've always thought that for a presidential candidate to really stand out, they have to be able to take on those tough questions. And you've been a, a great sport. You've been a great guest, and you've really hung in there through some very tough questions. So I want you to know that you've you've won my respect. And, um, you know, I wish you the, the best of luck with your campaign. Can you tell our listeners that if they want to support your effort, how they can jump into the pool, as you would say, and be a supporter of yours. Yeah, I mean, I first want to just say thanks, Bill. I appreciate that. And I also want to say it's like, and that's one thing I really won't do, whether it's on your show or some other show, that really annoys me about the candidates that are out there. I mean, for almost almost every level, is when somebody asks them a question, It's whether it's a stupid question or a really important question that every listener really wants answered, they tend not to answer it. They tend to just say whatever their talking points are. And I think that's highly disrespectful. And so I, I'm not going to ever do that. And if I do that, I hope somebody comes up and slaps me because I deserve it. And the way that people can really get involved in this is going to my website. That's at www.armchairpresident.com and looking around there and seeing if you agree or disagree or just respect it and want it to succeed, um, there's a support uh, box that, that's, that's really large at the bottom of every page that you can just click on, and that will allow you to just sign up. 
Patrick, good luck with your campaign, and thank you so much for being our guest this week on You Are the Guest. Thanks, Bill. It was fun. If you'd like to be a guest on a future show, just go to our website at www.youaretheguest.com. Submit your first name, the town where you live, and a short description on why you'd make a good guest. There is no charge for being a guest, and you'll have the opportunity to share what you think and how the news and events from today affect your life. The show's producers will contact you by email if you're chosen for a future show. Remember that you can listen to the show every day at Coolcast Radio. And, of course, we always appreciate your subscriptions at iTunes and Yahoo Podcasts. That concludes this week's edition of You Are the Guest from the great city of Fort Dodge, Iowa. I'm Bill Grady. Thanks for listening.